Welcome to the Serialized Short Story Podcast, Secrets Out, by Christopher Chapman. Secrets Out is performed by the author. You can pre-order Secrets Out as an ebook that will play on Kindle, Nook, Kobo, and any iDevice you can get your hands on by going to goingpostalpublishing.com and clicking on the store link. Listener discretion is advised. There are adult situations, violence, and naughty words your mother wouldn't want you repeating to your neighbor. And now, the story continues. It is time to go postal. This is the Going Postal Cast. I am your host, Christopher Chapman. I am a podcaster. I am an author. I am an all-around crazy person. Welcome back. It has been a couple of weeks since we've been on the podcasting air. This week... This episode is all about The Confession, Part 1. As with Grandpa's Secret and the First Zombie, this is part of Secrets Out, the short story collection. This is Part 3 of, or the third story in that collection out of eight stories. The Confession will run two episodes. Part 1 is this week. Part 2, of course, will then be next week. Without further ado, let's get into the story. This is The Confession, Part 1. Father Pat Sorensen of St. Anthony's Catholic Church in Green Bay, Wisconsin, never thought that he would hear the words that were spoken to him on that one July morning. In all of his years as a priest, a career that spanned more than 30 years, he'd never heard anything that came close to what he'd heard on that horrible morning. Taking confession was something that St. Anthony's had offered since 1986. In the nearly 30 years since, Father Pat had heard a lot of bad things. There was the time that the woman told him about how she was cheating on her husband, even going into great detail about what she had done to the new man's penis, something that she would have never done with her own husband. That was one of the few times that Father Pat had considered getting out of the priesthood. There was also the time that a teenager told him about the money he'd stolen from his mother's purse. Most of the things said in confession were minor things that most people overreacted to and shouldn't have been worked up about as much as they were. That all changed on that morning in July. That's when everything that Father Pat knew turned upside down forever. His world started a spin that it didn't come out of for weeks. It was during that morning in July that somebody told him about the murder. It was supposed to be a morning just like every other. Father Pat arrived at the church around 8 that morning and got dressed in his robes. It was when he took the time for his own personal prayer with God, something that can go on for periods lasting more than a half hour, that things really started to change. Father Pat was a very spiritual man. That is, after all, why he decided to go into the priesthood. His daily discussions with God were all part of his reaffirming in what he believed. Normally, he received some kind of tingle, some kind of sensation, that told him that God had been listening to his prayers. This morning, he heard nothing and felt nothing. Believing that he was coming down with something, Father Pat continued on with his morning. He welcomed all members of the congregation that had stopped in for morning prayer before they went to their jobs. It was his tradition to do this before he started the confessions. He took position within the confessional and waited patiently for the first person to arrive 
and tell him their sins. Confessions had always been his favorite part of the job. Well, other than getting to work for God. He loved the feeling he got from freeing somebody from their sins. There are many names for a confession, but who really wants to say that they're performing a sacrament of penance or a reconciliation? Confession was just fine for the father. The first confession of the morning was a woman who told the tale of grabbing some nylon stockings and stuffing them into her purse while shopping at Walmart the day before. I wouldn't have done it, she said. I just didn't have the money and my job needs me to dress professionally. It was quite the conundrum, if I do say so myself. I'm so sorry, the father said. I absolve you from your sins. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, she said. She was weeping. She had been genuinely upset about what she had done. Roughly fifteen minutes after she had left, the door to the confessional swung open and a large man stepped inside. Father Pat could tell by the large shadow that he cast. He took a seat and sat there quietly for some time. When he spoke, Father Pat wished that he hadn't. Father, forgive me for I have sinned, the man said in a hoarse voice. What is it you wish to confess, my son? Father Pat asked the man. He was expecting the man to tell him that he was cheating on his wife, or that he had stolen some money, or maybe that he hadn't confessed in a very long time. Father Pat didn't recognize this man's voice, but that meant little in the eyes of God. I killed a man the man said calmly. There was no waver in his voice. He spoke it as if it were a fact, rather than an admission of guilt. Father Pat's heart started to race instantly. He'd expected almost anything. This turned out to be the last thing he would have expected. I killed a man and his wife. I killed them both, and I don't know why. This was where Father Pat was supposed to say something reassuring to help the man continue with his confession. No matter how hard he tried, nothing came. He'd expected the man's next words to be something along the lines of begging for forgiveness. He never thought that he would receive a full story of what happened in all of its gravely detail. I was banging this guy's wife, you see, the man said. He wasn't supposed to be home for another day or two. Me and this girl were going at it like animals when the guy comes in and sees what we're doing. He comes at me like I've done something wrong and I'm just sitting there with my dick hanging out for all to see. I don't take that shit from anyone. I stood up and I grabbed hold of him, trying hard not to ram my dick against anything. This guy tries to stop me by swinging his arms at me. All that did was get me nice and angry. I forgot about the girl that I'd been banging, and all I can think about is how mad this guy is making me. I was already holding on to his neck, but I found myself squeezing as hard as I could. The hardest part is that I think I was enjoying it. Father Pat would normally stay quiet until the story was finished. But for some reason beyond his control, he said, Go on. He actually wanted to hear the rest of this man's story. It was as if he was some great American storyteller, spinning a yarn about some great adventures. This couldn't have been any further from that. Yet, there was some compulsion buried deep down that wanted the story to continue no matter how disgusting or evil the story may have been. He thought briefly that the man may have been joking, 
Over the course of his stay at St. Anthony's, there had been more than a handful of people that had claimed some outrageous things. One person had claimed to have once been abducted by space aliens, while another had claimed to have been Jesus reincarnated. The simple fact was that people would claim just about anything when they wanted attention. This man, unfortunately, didn't seem to be the type that was just looking for attention. He seemed focused, and he seemed to have a purpose. Just what was that purpose? He had no clue. His wife was screaming for me to stop, he continued, pulling Father Pat out of his thoughts. Good thing that their house was way out in the sticks, because I couldn't stop no matter how much she was begging me. It was like there was some sort of switch that had been flipped inside of me. I was going to see this thing through to the end, no matter the cost. I can remember the look on his face. It read, stop it please. I'll let you keep on banging my wife as long as you let me go. I couldn't do that. I was a shark that had tasted blood in the water. Besides, his wife wasn't that good of a fuck anyways. I'd already planned on kicking her ass to the curb after a couple of rounds that night. Anyway, back to his face. His mouth was open and his eyes were wide. He kept making this gagging sound that I found so irritating. I was actually looking forward to him dying so I wouldn't have to hear it anymore. There was a brief pause in there. The man seemed to be thinking things over a bit, as if he were making a mistake by telling Father Pat. He would continue his story regardless. I'm not really sure just how much time had passed before he died. It might have been about a minute. Near the end, he got pretty feisty and started kicking and punching at me. I think that the pipsqueak was trying to break himself free of my grip. I just kept squeezing harder until his arms dropped to his side and his legs stilled. His mouth was still open, and his eyes were still staring up at me. But his eyes no longer carried that fear that he just had moments before. His eyes were empty. It was like I had squeezed him right out of his body. Like he was some sort of oversized pimple. Somebody once told me that you don't die from choking like in the movies. You pass out before you die. Or something like that. That's why I kept squeezing. I wanted to... You know, make sure. His wife was continuing the screaming. Believe me when I tell you that I had no intention of killing her as well. I planned on fucking her a few more times before just walking out of there and let her try explaining what had happened to the cops. I'm sure that she would have looked silly when she told them that it was the guy that she had been fucking behind her husband's back. Ooh, sorry about my language. That's okay, Father Pat said. The words came out almost as hoarse as the killer's voice. Continue. She started hitting me as I was setting her husband down, calling me a monster and other bad words. I'd been admiring the marks that I put on his neck. There were a few deep grooves that were in the shape of my hand. It was like a plaster cast. Anyway, the wife is hitting me, and I start to realize that if I let her talk to the cops, that I might end up behind bars, even when she doesn't have my real name. I remember from that CSI show that they can use your DNA to match you up from previous offenses. I realized that I have a DNA profile out there somewhere, and I'd already dumped a big pile of DNA into the wifey just 20 minutes before we got caught doing it the second time. I slammed her naked ass down onto the bed and grabbed hold of the first thing I could get my hands on. That happened to be a pillow. She wouldn't stop screaming at me, 
calling me all kinds of names. I placed the pillow over the wife's face and I pressed down with all of my weight and strength on both sides of her. My body was placed over her stomach and I was using myself to hold her down. Didn't really matter because she didn't put up much of a fight. She kicked a few times before falling every bit as still as her husband and I kept it there just to make sure. After the man had seemingly finished with his story, Father Pat found himself talking. He wasn't sure why he was doing it but he found himself asking a question that seemed to help the story make a little sense. It was something that the man had said, then his actions afterwards, that had prompted the question. If you killed her, wouldn't the police still test the DNA? Father Pat asked. Ah, the priest is interested, the man said as if he were amused. I talked about CSI, but this isn't Vegas or any of those places where CSI takes place. This is Green Fucking Bay. All I had to do was strip the man down, wipe off my prints, and make the whole thing seem like they were being robbed while in the middle of doing the horizontal chicken dance. I got away with it. You go ahead and check the news tonight and let me know if I haven't. Through all of the story, something had been forgotten. Why had this man come to talk with him anyway? It was supposed to be his confession to God. Father Pat couldn't forgive this man for what had been two counts of an unforgivable sin. But he had come here regardless. Is it redemption in the eyes of God that you seek? Father Pat asked. You cannot be forgiven for an unforgivable sin. I... I don't give two shits about that. The man interrupted. I know that when I die, my goose is gonna cook. I just told you this because I wanted to tell somebody. I also know that you're not allowed to tell another living soul. You're bound by some biblical rule or something like that. He was absolutely right. According to the Seal of Confessional, part of the Code of Canon Law, Father Pat was forbidden to betray a confessor in any way or manner. Violating that trust would result in excommunication. The only thing he could do was encourage the man to surrender to the authorities. Have you considered turning yourself in? Father Pat asked. No fucking way. Pardon my language, the man said as though he hadn't sworn many times previous. I don't think that's really necessary. I'm living my life the way that I'm supposed to. There's no way that I'm setting a foot inside a jail cell for even a minute. I'd rather kill myself before I let that happen. There was a short while where nothing was said and there was little movement. Father Pat thought that he'd angered the man to the point where his own life may be in jeopardy. He couldn't get too worried about that. God would protect him from this man. That's when the man started to speak again. Well, Father, it feels good to have it off my chest, he said. His voice was flat and empty of all emotion. I really do have to run or I'll be late for work. I'll be talking to you again real soon, Father. With that promise, he left. The entire rest of the day had passed by in a blur of people admitting to things that they had no business doing. One woman had stole a tube of lipstick. A man was having a little too much fun with his secretary, while another man was considering committing suicide after catching his wife with his best friend. It was perhaps only this last one where Father Pat actually screwed up. Afterwards, he couldn't remember just what it was he had said to the man who was considering ending it all. 
He thought that he'd said something inspirational, or maybe it was nothing at all. He couldn't remember which it was, and that bothered him. The end of his time in the confessional came at five. He was never as happy as he was right then to be out of there. He stopped long enough to give his evening prayer to God, which he needed today more than most days, before changing and leaving. He was back to his one-bedroom apartment by six, and had the television on less than 30 seconds after entering the door. He wasn't much of a television watcher. He mostly watched spiritual programs on TBN, but found himself drawn to the six o'clock news. The words that the man said kept streaming through his mind. You go back and check the news tonight and let me know if I haven't. He thought that he was going to get away with this. Sure enough, the murders would turn out to be the top story. What he had learned was that the Mr. and Mrs. Thornton of Green Bay had been killed in their home overnight. They said that it had been a robbery gone wrong. Both John and Melissa Thornton had been found naked in bed. Police say that the killer had interrupted them having sex, perhaps forcing them to act out the scene in front of him or her. No more information was being given, but there was a telephone number that could be called if anybody had information. He realized that the man had been right. He probably was going to get away with it. He kept thinking in his mind, Check the sperm, check the sperm, check the sperm. It was most likely the first and only time in his life that those words had gone through his mind. He was so caught up in his thoughts that he almost missed the story about the man that had just committed suicide at the parking structure that had once been part of the now-defunct Port Plaza Mall. The man's name wasn't being given, praise God, but witnesses are claiming that the man was screaming out the name of a woman repeatedly as he stood on the edge of the concrete wall that surrounded the parking structure. He continued to yell this name as he jumped and began his descent. He only became silent when his body greeted the pavement below. Father Pat had seen more than enough. He turned off the television and went straight to bed. He wasn't hungry and thought that bed and prayer were the only things that could get him through the night. The next day would turn out to be an equally frustrating one for the priest. When he arrived at St. Anthony's, he was greeted by two pieces of paper on his desk. They were both announcements for funerals. The first was for John and Melissa Thornton, the murder victims that he had been told about during confession. The second was for Stuart Chandler, a name that he knew all too well. It occurred to him that it may very well have been Stuart that had spoken to him in confession about wanting to commit suicide. He may have even stated his name when he entered the confessional. Pat couldn't be 100% sure, but he was fairly certain that it had happened. A feeling of disgust swept over him in a wave. He felt sick to his stomach and found that he was starting to question his own beliefs in God and the world. How could God allow something like this to happen and let the man hold it over him? Worse yet, how could he let a man like Stuart Chandler take a jump off the Port Pleasant Mall parking structure? Father Pat's mind swayed like it was riding on a swing, moving back and forth in large arcs. He thought that he was going to faint. He clutched the nearest object that he could get his hands on, the back of a wooden chair where the secretary would normally sit and managed to keep himself up. That was a close one, he thought. He dressed in his robes and began his morning routine. Or, at least he tried to. He stopped in front of the large wooden cross with the plaster Jesus nailed to it, and stopped. He would normally be dropping to his knees, but found his body trying to resist the urge to do so. He glanced around the church and saw that he was all alone. 
doing something that he hadn't done in many years, he skipped his morning prayer and headed straight into the confessional. Taking the confessions of people that believed that they were all sinners had never felt so difficult. He couldn't believe how one man's admission could turn his world so completely around. All other confessions seemed boring and meaningless when compared to what he'd heard the day before. Hours passed and Father Pat was starting to feel more like himself again. All of the ill thoughts of that morning were beginning to subside after a long day of doing God's will. He listened to the confessions of more than a dozen members of the church and felt relieved when he was able to answer them with no hesitation. He was starting to believe that his initial worries about his faith were unjustified. That was until a familiar voice spoke to him next. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. The familiar hoarse voice spoke. Father Pat's heart thudded so hard that he believed that the man could actually hear it. He took several deep breaths, trying to keep himself calm. Why was this happening to him? He was finally starting to feel better. Aren't you going to say something to me, Father? I think that you have to tell me something. What is it? He paused as he tried to get the words out. My son, tell me your sins. The man let out a laugh that Father Pat was certain could be heard from outside the confessional. I knew that you were a good man, Father, he said as the laughter died. I'm really glad that I came in here and got all that off my chest. You wouldn't believe how much better I felt afterwards. Say whatever it is that you're going to tell me, Father Pat said, feeling as if the words came out a little stiff. Do I sense a little bit of hostility in your voice? Sorry, Father Pat said calmly. He wasn't sorry in the least, but needed to play this man's game for the time being. I had a rough night. I bet you did, the man replied. After what I told you? Please tell me whatever it is you came here to say, Father Pat said, trying not to sound very angry. God has a lot of followers, and he likes them all to have their own turns. Yeah, right, the man said. He sounded as if he were thinking. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Those words came out fast and fake. The next didn't. Forgive me, but I killed another man last night. Phew, what a story. That was The Confession Part 1. Part 2 will be next week. So not a lot to talk about in the writing world, but I'm going to talk about a few interesting things going on just in my life in general. First off, I'm recording this right after the Super Bowl. I have eaten my weight in sausage, pepperoni, uh, just all kinds of stuff today. It was a snack day. Got this uh, nice sandwich platter from Walmart. Original price, $17.98. I got it for $5.98, but I didn't realize that when I bought it. As it would turn out, it was a near-dated sandwich tray. I don't know how Walmart you know, works with calendars, but the original expiration date on these sandwiches to eat was February 3rd, which is the day that this episode will come out on, so... Obviously, the sandwiches were still good, but then they slapped a sticker on it and said that they needed to be sold by February 4th and gave a huge discount. Hmm. I've never heard of just this weird uh, jump into the future with it. Oh, let's slap a sticker on it, and then we can keep it for an extra day. I don't care. It was all still good, very fresh, and it was tasty. 
Another thing that's been going on is my van woes. Yes, dramatic pause there. I am getting more like William Shatner every day. Captain's Log, Stardate, 51.7.1. Trekkies, don't get mad at me if I had the Stardate wrong. I will never try to speak Klingon just because of the hate mail I'll get for getting it wrong. In the last episode, I told you about my fi- my van issues in which I had to drive in reverse to get home. So I got a, a different van. It was a used van, and it was a, such a great discount that I was like, oh, this is so great, it's awesome, and yeah, too good to be true. Usually things where you get them a lot cheaper than you should turn out to be too good to be true. Problems with the van started almost immediately. First, go to start it after, I think it was like three days having it, and yeah, it won't start. So, pull out the crowbar, bang on the starter a little bit, and sure enough, then then it fires right up. So, went, bought the new starter. Even before I could have a chance to put that in, I had to take my kids to their mom's. So that was a two-hour drive, took them down to their mom's, dropped them off, no problems. Coming back, problems with the power steering, and from there the power steering became other issues when all of a sudden the lights dimmed. And then the heater was no longer blowing heat. Then, as if things couldn't get any worse, I'm heading down a hill, it's Night, it's, or it's 8 o'clock at night, and all of a sudden my lights go out. It's a snowstorm outside. I can't see two feet in front of me. There's no cars around, so that's good. But I'm going down the highway 50 miles an hour, and I can't see anything. So I'm driving, and I'm trying to slow down and yet get myself over to the side of the road because naturally, when you're moving and you can't see in front of you, the best thing you can do is just stop. So, had to make a decision on how fast I wanted to stop. Obviously, slippery conditions out there, it's snowing pretty good, and I know there's snow banks over there, and I really don't want to hit a snowbank going too fast. But, if there had been a vehicle coming, obviously the best thing to do would be to take the snowbank. So, slowing down, trying to get over a little bit, trying to get over, I'm slowing down, slowing down, and finally, poof, I catch the snowbank. Luckily, I wasn't going that fast, but Vanton wasn't going to be uh, doing anything at that point. Weirdest thing, you, I shut the van off, and suddenly my lights come back on. Now, here's a funny thing. I learned this a day later, after all of this had gone on. If your power steering goes out, because of the entire belt system in your vehicle, you will lose a majority of your vehicle. Power steering pump free or seizes, which causes the belt to then just rub on something that's not moving, which then snaps the belt, which takes out your alternator and heater. Come on, engineers in Detroit, Ford, GM, I don't care, Toyota, come up with something where if one thing goes wrong, it doesn't take out your entire vehicle. Come on, seriously? So from there, decided to just take the loss go get myself another van. I have kids, I need a van. I bought a newer Chevy Uplander, and let me tell you, after buying the cheapest vehicles I can, because I'm not one of those people who can justify buying a $30,000 vehicle. I'm sorry, you buy something for $30,000, it loses 25% of its value minimum the second you drive off the lot. 
Heck, it probably loses 50% of its value the second you drive off the lot. That, to me, is just a waste of money. I have no issue buying cars that are between 5 and 10 years old because unless an idiot takes care of those cars, the cars are so good nowadays, they're generally in good shape, and they'll generally get you tons of miles at a fraction of the cost that it would have taken if you would have spent the $30,000 on a car. Obviously, if I ever become a millionaire, I might upgrade a little bit. You know, get those $10,000 or $15,000 cars, but I'm never going to be one of those people that has to buy a Porsche. My ego is not that big. So, got this Uplander, and it is newer than my other van by six years. And let me tell you, this is by far the nicest vehicle I've probably ever, well, it's definitely the nicest vehicle I've ever owned, but it's one of the nicest vehicles I've ever been in, period. It's also weird how you can get a DVD player that's built into the vehicle and you feel as if you're in this big luxury machine. My kids look up and see the DVD player and they're like, oh my god, DVD player! And the problem is we don't really do a whole lot of DVDs around here anymore. I do everything digitally now. I have a great system set up for that. So now I have to burn a few DVDs to be able to let them take, or take, have them take with them when they, I take them to their moms every other weekend. As I said, there's not a whole lot to talk about in the world of my uh, publishing and writing life. It's been kind of slow there. I've been working when I've had the free time. Obviously, with the van issues, I've been spending a little bit of my time elsewhere. Not the smartest thing to do when you're a publishing company or a writer, but life does come first, and it does sometimes get in the way. I'm moving along in the recording of Secrets Out, which is going to be, once that is finished, that's going to be when the book comes out, the actual physical book those of you who have pre-ordered Secrets Out as an ebook have already gotten the first three stories. So you actually know how this story is going to end. Of course, if you want to pre-order Secrets Out, you can do that by going to goingpostalpublishing.com, clicking on the store link, and then going and just clicking on the Buy It Now button, and then a message will be sent to me, and you will start receiving your updated ebooks every so often. I'm not going to release one for every story possibly, but you're going to get them as the stories come out and as we get closer to the actual real ebook that will be coming out at the end. That's going to do it for this episode. Just need to do a little bit of pimping my stuff. If you've got questions about anything I just talked about or if you want to tell me how much of an idiot I am because I buy used vehicles rather than spend thousands and thousands of dollars I don't have on new vehicles, you can do that by sending a message to goingpostalpublishing at gmail.com. You can check me out on Facebook, facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. You can uh, follow me on Twitter. Haven't been doing a lot on Twitter, but I need to get back to that. That's twitter.com slash goingpostalpub. If you're buying anything through Amazon, go to goingpostalpublishing.com, click on the Amazon banner, and do your buying that way. I'll get a couple of pennies sent my way for every dollar you spend. That would certainly be helpful to the podcast. If you are a fan of football, you can check me out on my other podcast. I host a podcast with Drew Hall. It is called the Naked Bootleg Podcast, and that comes out usually about once a week. It's getting into the off-season, so we're probably going to do it a little less often. But if you can't get enough of my sultry tones, you can just check that out on iTunes. Remember, Naked Bootleg Podcast. 
That's it for this week. I will be back next week with part two of the confession. Thank you for going postal with me. Take care now. Bye-bye then. You've been listening to the Going Postal Cast. For updates about Christopher Chapman, his stories, and future podcast happenings, be sure to go to goingpostalpublishing.com. If you want to follow along on Twitter, twitter.com slash goingpostalpub, or like him at facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. This podcast is copyright 2012, Going Postal Publishing. 